RadioInfluence.com. Hello, what's happening? Another edition of The Rock Stops here. This one, this one, this one is, oh my God. I have the utmost respect for my guest on this one. Now, I've got some stories, things that are going on, you know, life. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll hang, we'll hang a little bit. But this is a very important podcast because it gives all of us hope. He is living his best life the best way that he can be. He loves his job. He loves it. He is battling cancer. He's going to win. He's living He's living his life. And he is still on the radio on Drew Garabo Live. It's 102.5 The Bone and FM uh, guy talk station, very successful in Tampa Bay. And he's got a co-host that is one of his best friends, similar to uh, my last week's Rock Stops here. My guest today is Drew Garabo. He has worked his way up from the bottom. Uh, I didn't even know how he got to where he is today. And this one is powerful. Listen to him. I have so much respect. He came to my house. Uh, we don't know each other that good. We respect each other being in this broadcasting business and what we've accomplished. And we sat out here on my back patio near the pool on a beautiful Saturday. He still had to drive to Lakeland. I was heading to a bat mitzvah later that day and that night. And we just had a really, really, really good conversation. Enjoy it. Wait till you hear this. Drew Garabo. All right, let me welcome in the famous Drew Garabo. Drew Garabo Live. Had Drew, all you've been through. You're smiling. You look fantastic. How do you feel? Feel great, Rock. Woke up this morning. I plan on doing the same tomorrow. I appreciate you having me, man. I am so happy, man. So, so, so happy. The success that you have had is really, I wouldn't know, not remarkable because you've worked at it. And... Everything that you've gone through lately yep. with cancer and Oof. going through chemo treatments, what is uh, at the top of your head? What do you think uh, maybe has changed you or has given you some perspective that you did not have before, Drew? Great question. I always had gratitude in my heart, Rock. I always appreciated very much what I have in this world and 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 what I'm able to do. But I think that going through all of this, it really spells out how fleeting life is and how we need to take advantage of the time that we have here. And it's caused me to take a couple of steps back when it looks, when I look at how I treat myself and how I treat others. Um, compassion costs us absolutely nothing, you know, and, and from the outside in October, you might have looked at me with all my longish hair and full facial hair and thought that dude's on top of the world, not knowing that I had just been diagnosed with testicular cancer, you know? So everybody's fighting their own battles. And, um, all of this has really caused me to appreciate every single moment in life. There has not been a day that I've, I've woken up where I haven't just felt so grateful to be in this world and to, and to have a voice, uh, and a presence that people seem to listen to and hopefully can draw some inspiration from. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. 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 If you don't follow Drew, uh, on social media, you have these, 
uh, motivational things in the morning and you're really honest and uh, it's really, really, really great to see. All right. So you are afternoon drive yeah. on a kick-ass station for Flame men. Thrower. Now, I know that there's some women. Yes, there are oh, women. Yeah. There are women too. Guns. But men, you guys rule. And uh, how many years now ha- have you actually been at 1025 The Bone? I know you've now moved into that afternoon drive slot. How long you've been here now? So they, when they flipped the bone from rock to talk uh, and took out all the, all the Metallica and the sound garden, whatever, and then just let Bubba talk in the morning and, and Cowhead then talk yes. in the afternoon. I believe we're coming up on our seventh anniversary of that. Nice. Uh, and uh, that's in April. And I've been on the bone since then. When they made the flip, I was actually doing two shows. I was doing mornings on 97X. And then they came to me and said, hey, we're thinking about starting an FM talk station, would you be interested? And that's my background. I worked at Real Radio 104.1 in Orlando for 10, 11 years and hosted talk shows there. And so they said, would you be interested? I'm like, yeah, that's that's what I do. You know, I'm not, I wasn't put here on this earth to play Red Hot Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters <laughs> and Mumford and Sons and do intros and try to wedge in a minute of content. You know, I mean, not all respect to people who can do that. It's a skill, no doubt, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's just not my comfort zone. And so I said, sure, I'd be interested. They said, great. What kind of show do you think you have? I said, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, we got, we got Bubba, we got Cowhead. What, you know, we give you a show. What do you do? So I took some time to think about it. And I said, uh, you know, I've, I've always been pretty good at, at confrontational type stuff, at instigating a little bit, maybe taking some extreme points of view. Why not like an in your face with Drew Garabo <laughs> where it's just me and people will call and I'll, you know, the callers are my co-hosts basically. And I'll just bash them time after time. And they said, sounds great. Heck yeah. You got two hours. So I did mornings on 97 X from five thirty AM until 10. I, I, did, that, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know you were doing both. I'm sorry. Yep. I didn't yep. know that. Yeah. That lasted for a while. And so I would get done uh, about nine fifty, nine fifty five on the morning show, go walk down the hallway to the bone studio, do my show from 10 to noon. Wow. Um, you know, seven and a half hours of me on the radio or six and a half hours of me on the radio. That's a lot of me. That's probably too much me for people to handle. Too much me for me to handle, Rock. So I, uh, I, I did both for a while and then they decided they were going to tweak 97X a little bit and get rid of the morning show. And, um, and then that's when I went full time on the bone. They moved me then noon to three. And then when the big shift happened, uh, we, uh, I, they gave me three to seven and then I've been doing two to six for feels like a couple of years now. Wow. Yeah, man. And you must be, congratulations, because if you're not bringing in ratings, they ain't going to have you. This no, is they're bu- not. This is business, right? Yeah, you could be a real nice guy and you could do a ton for charity, but if you're not putting up numbers and getting revenue, then uh, you're going to be a real nice guy doing stuff for charity on your own. Now, I know listening to you, I know you grew up listening to Howard Stern. Yeah. And same here. Same here. Now, oh, yeah, I same. don't like the, yeah, I don't uh, like what it's turned into but, either. But was that your first real, like, whoa, hit you, and maybe I could do something like this, or were you just a fan? How did it start your love for radio? It's another great question. I would listen to Stern when I'd go up to see my grandparents in Larchmont, New York. Uh, I, from the time I was a little kid, we'd stay there for a week, two weeks at a time. First, I lived in Massachusetts. Then when we moved to Orlando, we'd go up there, too. And so I, they had a big radio when it was not quite a boom box, but just this big radio that was an AM, FM. I think it was also a ham radio. Wow. So I would just sit there and yeah, yeah. S- scan nonstop, you know, and uh, and around 13, 14 years old. 
I hear this guy call somebody, I think a dickhead on, and, and I was like, Whoa, hey, hold, hold on. Have I just seen the Mona Lisa? And so immediately I was like, who is this guy? And, and, and found out it was Howard Stern and I would listen to him all the time. And then in Orlando, there was a guy, Jim Phillips, that my mom would listen to. He did afternoon drive uh, legend. And I would listen to him when I'd get home from school. My mom would have it on the radio in the kitchen. He would use some profane language as well, which I, which drew me in. But he was very passionate about his viewpoints, political when he had to be, social when he had to be, but also whimsical when he could be. And I was like, man, th- this is my kind of uh, radio. So that's and then, the, of course, Casey Kasem and the and the American Top 40, man, I. The chronicling every week's top 40 for some reason, I would write it down in my spiral notebook, every single song, every single week, different chart positions, who went up, who went down, who was rising with the bullet. And then the little factoids that Casey would give about the artists. Mel Tillis was a stutterer in real life, but he sang so he wouldn't stutter. All these different factoids that Casey would drop on you, all those things combined. And then a television guy, actually, Howard Cosell, Um, his bombastic nature, uh, his uh, conceit, uh, his confrontational nature with Muhammad Ali and other people, and the gift that he had for linguistics. I fell in love with that, just the way he could weave a sentence and leave you spellbound if you were into the English language. I would just listen to this guy talk and be like, wow, this guy's vernacular is out of control. So all those things combined to influence me I'll be honest with you. I didn't know I wanted to do radio until I started volunteering uh, for Rollins College Radio. I went to UCF and Rollins College in Winter Park needed volunteers. And so I thought, that sounds like it'd be good for a lark. Why not? You know, I play some alternative music and do a little talking. Sure. So they had me come in and read some news on a tape recorder. I read some news into a tape recorder. I said, great. You got Thursday mornings, 8 to 11. Get in there and go do it. Nice. So, no, wow. Yeah. So you got your feet wet there. Yeah. No, no radio classes, no, no official training, no nothing. And, uh, and as soon from that very first time in a radio studio, I was like, this is it. This, this is, this is, this is me. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I did that for two or three years until some dude who was a program director on real radio heard me on Rollins and for some reason heard this voice and thought I should pay him. And, uh, and he offered me a job playing music part-time in November of 93 um, on real radio, they played alternative music on the weekends and had talk during the week. And so I did that for a little bit, met some of the talk personalities. And, um, before he knew it, February of 95, I was a full-time midday producer for the madman, Ed Till. <laughs> yes. Chicago's, he's on- uh, Chicago's Ed Till, who's worked everywhere around the country. One of those journeymen, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's on, uh, he's on in Orlando now. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? It's amazing at such a young age, like when I was a kid and saw Howard Cosell and I watched with my father, I'm like, oh, this guy with the toupee, oh, he's annoying. Yeah. I wasn't able to pick up as a kid. You were. That yeah. He was a wordsmith at a young age. That That's pretty amazing. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, my, I've always loved reading. Um, I, I started reading at an advanced level when I was like in first grade, they would take me to the big kids library because I had already read every book in the, in the little kids library. So they'd take me to the big kids library and I'd read way above my head, way above my learning level, just so I could learn these words. And, um, and it really stoked a fire for me when it comes to the English language. Reading is huge. Huge. 
huge. And I've just gotten into it again. I'm embarrassingly, I let it get away from me for to, so long because you have to make time for it. And right, in this crazy right. world, who's got time? You know, right, we're right. so busy with these stupid mobile devices. Oh, oh on my last podcast, yeah. I was like, I'm addicted to it. Yeah, and we I all hate are. To, we all, we addicted all are. To it. I hate it. Okay. So you're at Real Raw Radio. You're you're making your mark. So yep. how how was it going there? You had different shifts. Uh, tell me about your situation there. Yeah. Um, so I, I start doing, uh, I love the nature ambiance too. I, I start doing, um, the, the Ed Till show. I met him after playing music for a while on the weekend. Um, within a couple of months, Ed just loves to burn through producers. He's a very, uh, I see. he's a very volatile guy, shall we say. Gotcha. And so after a couple of months, he, the new car smell had worn off and he was done with me. I was very fortunate because the guy I mentioned, Jim Phillips was on afternoon drive on that station. So while I was Ed's producer, we shared an office with Jim, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't talk to him. He was my idol. Like I just was so intimidated, so gotcha. starstruck, let him prep for his show. I'm just over here and I'll never forget one day after a particularly bad day, I was during a break getting some stuff in, in the office and Jim just turned to me and he goes, Ed's kind of a dick, isn't he? <laughs> and I was like, Mr. Phillips, I'm so sorry. I've been a fan of yours since I was 14 years old. Oh my God, Mr. Phillips, I, I, I'm sorry. I was in the revolution and I, I had your card and I pound my conk every Friday. And, and, and he, uh, and he was like, all right, calm down. Uh, and That's so he awesome. offered me a job on his show and, um, and I would just sit in the new studio and while he and the other people on his show would do the show and he asked me to crack wise and to do impressions and stuff like that. And I guess I ingratiated myself to him was, uh, his producer, for the better part of a year, year and a half before he realized, uh, I, I wanted my own show. Right. Um, I was the senior producer at the time in order to justify my full-time salary. They had to fire the senior producer and give his job to me. So I had to assemble promos from Stern till Phillips. Um, the, we had Russ and Bo and dirty Jim. Now the monsters in the morning, yeah. uh, in, in the evenings and then passion phones with Aaron Summers. I had to go through reel to reel rock reel to reel for each show cutting and, and pasting promos for each one, daily promos. Oh, you did it all. Yep. You came yep. up doing it yep. all. So when, when Jim was done with his show at 7, I was there till 11 o'clock at night putting these promos together and whatnot. And then our overnight guy was going to take a vacation, and they, they said, all right, uh, get some best of together uh, for, for Bill Cross's vacation. I'm like, oh, my God, you're, you're asking me to assemble best of for a show that airs at midnight? So I went to uh, I went to them and I said, why don't you just let me try hosting the show? And they said, absolutely not. So I went to Jim Phillips and I said, hey, I'd kind of like to host this show. And he, and he went to management and said, let him host the show. And so I started, I filled in. And the first time I opened that mic at midnight for my very own talk show, oh my God, it was like, I, I can only imagine it's what, what a heroin junkie feels when that needle goes in for the first time. It's sweet Jane. And, uh, and I knew then I'm like this, I can't do anything else. Like there's nothing else I'm ever going to be able to do in radio. Probably nothing I'll, I'll be able to do in the, in the universe. That's going to fill this like feeling for me. And so, um, I started doing overnights, my very first show midnight to 6am Sunday to Thursday, six hours of talk, no music, no nothing. You are kidding six me. Six hours and they, and no training, no instruction. That is your training. Yep. And so eventually you learn what works, you learn what doesn't, you learn to appreciate the hospitality employees because they'll call you when they're drunk or, uh, you know, at 2 a.m. You learn to appreciate the truckers because they're the ones who will call you at 3 and 4 a.m. because they're out there on the road. You learn what gets phone calls, you learn what doesn't, you find your voice, you get addicted to Mountain Dew 44 ounces from the old 7-Eleven. And, um, and it, was, uh, it was amazing. And so I did overnights for a while. 
We had a shift in the station as happens in radio. Sure. I went to evenings, uh, uh-huh. seven to midnight first and then seven to 11. Did that for the better part of 10, 11 years. Um, managed to get my butt fired from that station in 2005. Went across the street and started working for O-Rock 105.9 because they were about to lose Howard Stern in the morning to satellite radio. And so they, they, were, they got permission to do a local morning show. And, uh, and they gave me uh, O-Rock 105.9's morning after show. And we did that for the better part of three years uh, before they flipped the format and uh, fired everybody. That was my first and hopefully only format flip. Oh, rock. Oh, I, I know, I know, and I speak for you, what that's like. It's what you do, your passion. Even on this last podcast, I did like, blah, blah, blah. The, the guest that I had said, no, there is no backup plan. Mm-hmm. I went and told my wife, because my wife's like, you got to have a backup plan, you got a backup plan. No, I don't want to do anything else, no, anything else. All right, so you're out. Yep. You're out. I out. know you eventually took a job with the Orlando Magic. Yep. Sounds great, but no, not what you're doing. So you must have been down and not very happy, I'm assuming, Drew, yeah. at that time period? You assume correctly. The darkest period of my life, which unfortunately coincided with the happiest period of my life because my son was born in 2003. Uh, 2008, I lose my gig. He's five years old. Um, you know, his mom becomes the chief breadwinner. And uh, I am of the school of thought of there is no room for pride in my world. I take great pride in what I do, but I will never let pride stand in the way of me and earning a paycheck. So literally the day after they flipped the format, I hit up a buddy of mine who worked at a restaurant and I said, I got to make some money. And he said, because I, I have a pretty strong hospitality um, background. I was on that path before I got sucked into radio. And, uh, and he said, all I have right now is a, is a waiting position. And I said, I'll take it. And he said, we'll put you on the floor tomorrow. And so literally I went from hosting a morning show in Orlando, Florida to waiting tables in Orlando, Florida in the span of 24 to 36 hours wow. and, um, got recognized a couple of times, very humbling experience, you know, yes. Hey, Oh my God, aren't you that dude from radio? I sure am. Let me tell you about our specials tonight. Oh, Canela vodka. Oh. and so, um, yeah, but you know, I, I gotta make money. My, my dad instilled in me a pretty strong work ethic and I, and, and I've always got to keep money coming in somehow. And so I did that for a couple months, talked to a buddy of mine who was a vice president of ticket sales for the Orlando magic, Chris mm-hmm. Dorso, mm-hmm. one of my mentors and said, and he said, uh, how'd you like to be a season ticket account executive? I said, I don't know what that is. And he said, be cold calling, prospecting businesses, selling season ticket packages, et cetera. I said, cool. All right. Great. Uh, base plus commission sitting there smiling and dialing a hundred outbound calls each day. Oh, hi, my name's Drew. I'm an entertainment consultant with the Orlando magic. Let me tell you about the last game or ask you about the last game you went to blah, blah, blah. And it was a very, uh, very dark period of my life. I felt like a part of my soul was missing and people would say, uh, when they recognized me or my voice, they would say, man, sure to miss you on the radio. And they meant well, and I appreciated that. But every time someone said that, a little piece of my soul would just die and go, sure do miss being there. Yeah. And I uh, never thought yeah. I'd get back, man. And, yeah. and never, ever, ever thought I'd be back. Now, how did you get back? Mm-hmm. Was this with Radio IO and mm-hmm. Bubba, or was there something uh, okay? Wow, look and, at you. This yeah. is Bubba the Love Sponge, oh, by yeah. the way, a shock jock that's... Huge, 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 huge history and all this. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Wow. The, the radio IO, that's exactly how it happened. I had, um, I had been trying to wet my beak in the podcast world way back then and had been doing it on my own. It felt weird to me. You know, you, 
you're talking to who who knows who after you have radio experience. You're like, what do I do in here? Right. And then um, Spice uh, from uh, from Bubba's show, who I had, I had known for a couple of years because pe- radio people know each other. He said, Bubba's starting this uh, radio IO. Would you be interested in doing a show over here in Tampa? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, of course. He said, we can't pay you. I said, that's okay. I'd, right. you know, I'd, I'd like some radio experience. And so two Tuesdays a month, I'd make that trek down I-4 and go in and sit where Bubba sat. You know what I mean? Oh, and you like, guys and use like the same in his studio. studio. Yeah. And then see all his like sticky notes and stuff. Yes, and you're yes. like, oh my God, this is legendary. Like I'm sitting in Bubba's seat. I better not break anything. And it was fun, man. It was a, it was a blast. And then that just happened to coincide uh, with, um, with my buddy Shark, who I knew from Orlando. He was a program director at 97X. And he had heard my name a couple of times, uh, probably from Bubba. And he said, uh, you ever think about getting back into radio? I said, there's not a moment of the day when I don't think about oh, it. What a great. Come and on. he said, uh, let's meet. So we meet out at, uh, at a hotel restaurant in, uh, in Orlando by Universal Studios. We sit down and uh, it turns out he had a demo of mine that I had sent through another buddy of mine who said, there's a radio opportunity in a top 20 market. Send me your stuff. And I sent him my stuff and hadn't heard anything and figured they just hired somebody else for the gig, whatever. And I look and Sharks got that demo that I sent him on CD. And I said, how'd you get that? And he said, you sent it to our consultant. I'm like, well, I didn't know that. And so he starts talking to me about the opportunity. And um, it was on 97X, uh, Fisher and Boy, their morning team had been together for a while. Um, being diplomatic here, Fisher did not wish to work with Boy any longer and, and wished to go to the afternoons taking a significant pay cut to do so. And, uh, and they said, you know, we know you have uh, experience hosting a show. Um, how'd, how'd you like to host this show? Oh, that's how it happened. Yeah. And I said, I, I'd, I'd absolutely love to. Oh, my God. So that's when uh, they hired me in June. My first day, I believe, was July 5th. Um, and, uh, and I started hosting the Morning X with uh, the very talented Danielle, who now does Mornings on 94.9 with us and, uh, and Seth. You know, when I'm hearing your story, it's so funny because people that listen might think like, oh, look, how did you get that gig? Yeah, he's pretty smart. Yeah, he's witty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, my God. And when you hear the path, like there's no easy path. No, hardly anyone is just given a job with no experience and then they succeed. You know, people don't see that. And especially the way you learned everything about the business. I think that's huge. Thanks, man. And, and I'm very grateful to everyone who helped along the way. You know, there have been uh, there have been periods of my life where it's been difficult to express gratitude to certain people because of certain situations that happened. Uh, but where I am right now, I'm just so grateful to everybody who played a part. And I know that I knew some of the right people and maybe I was in the right place at the right time and maybe they heard something. And, the, and, and I'm very grateful, most of all, to Billy Madison, who uh, hosts the Billy Madison show, because they offered him the gig and he turned it down. Uh, they, uh, they, he had auditioned for the Morning X. I and they would have brought him in. Yeah. And he wanted to bring in his own team. And Cox wanted to keep Seth and Danielle in place and just bring in Billy as a host. So Billy said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not interested. So they were a little bit desperate. And thank God, because they got me. Isn't that something how things happen? Yep. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. Billy takes that gig. Who knows what I'm doing today? Now, how important is it for success? You can still have success if you don't like your on-air partner. I've been in both situations. It certainly makes it a lot better and easier when you really like your, 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 your person, right? I'll tell you, man, um, it is nearly impossible to do what we do if there is not 
a genuine, thorough, and sincere, at least appreciation, if not warmth and friendship. Um, I've had friends in this industry uh, turn to enemies in this industry. I've seen people change. I've seen myself change. I've seen me do things I didn't want to do. I've seen other people. Um, It's so toxic when people stay in a situation where they're not happy and then start to affect the people around them. And having gone through that within the last couple of years, um, you can fake it for so long. You can put on that smile and that happy face, but there are still shows on the radio. Mike and Mad Dog, I know they're not together anymore, but uh, they hated each other. Right. Or Christopher Russo, not Mike and Mad Dog. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Christopher. And no, Mike Francesa. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Mad, the Mad Dog. Dog. That's right. right. I, I was right. I would never yes. second guess yourself. Yes. Mike Francesca and the, and the Mad Dog. Yes. So they hated each other. Could yes. barely, wouldn't even speak off. As soon as they go to break, they're not even speaking. Yet they had a phenomenally successful Opie radio Anthony. show. Opie and Anthony. Same thing. So you, you can do it. That's what I'm saying, but it's but, but oh, I'd rather hard, not. Right? Having gone through it, I'd rather never go through it again because now I'm so blessed to work with John Senning because he's been my co-host uh, for the better part of two and a half years now. And um, we're friends off the air. There's a there's an innate trust there. Um, there's a fondness there. I want him to do well. He wants me to do well. And so it's such a beautiful, mutually supportive environment that we both can't wait to go to work every day. And I want him to spread his wings and fly. And he's ready for it now. I don't want him to do it yet <laughs> because I'd like to hold on to him so yeah, as long as right, I can. Right, right. It's the type of situation where if he came to me next week and said, "Hey, man, I got a job offer in Detroit," right. uh, I wouldn't begrudge him a minute because he's that good. Uh, I, if I'm a program director, I'd put him on the radio right now and give him his own show. He's charismatic. He's he's everything. Um, but I'm so lucky to work with him every day, and like we're in constant communication. And even on the weekends, we just it's it's a it's a very it's a beautiful situation. And that comes across that, that comes Thank across you. when, when, and when you have chemistry like that, it will come across and yeah, listeners can, so. they can feel it. All right. So not too heavy, too much, too, too much heaviness, <laughs> but I know you went on the radio, you explained it, you had had a lump, you had had a lump for a long time down there and then it just got bigger and you go and you find out the words cancer. Whew. So yeah, yeah, that was a, that's a moment. So yeah, and and I didn't even know if I was going to talk about it on the radio because I I Norm McDonald had just passed like right around the time I got my diagnosis and I and I learned that Norm had kept it to himself for the better part of right, 10 years. Right. And by himself, I mean no one knew. No one in his family knew. None right. of his friends knew. None right. of his work. Like, so I respected that, you know, because once you come forth with that, it becomes part of your existence. It, it almost becomes who you are. You're the guy with cancer. You know what I mean? And right. Norm didn't want that. He wanted to be able to still have a stand-up career and go on podcasts. So I was like, okay, that route might be the one I, I want to take. Let me think about that. Couple, maybe a week later, my friend Melanie Michael on FLA does a story on Casey DeSantis and uh, and and she goes uh, she goes forth with her diagnosis because she wants to help other women prevent breast cancer. And I, and that light went off. I'm like, idiot, you can't keep this to yourself. You could save young men's lives by going public. But I just put the cart before the horse, which is my nature. I'll take you back to when I, I yes. got diagnosed. Yes. Um, yeah. Like you said, I, I, when my twenties, I had a lump down there, got an ultrasound on it. Um, and they said it was nothing. So I really had no cause for concern. Um, couple, you know, around, uh, 
February of last year or so, it starts getting a little bigger, a little ache. So I, I finally go to the urologist because none of us want to get anything checked out. Right. You know, we, right. we, know what, we know that bad news waits and our ego, our male pride yep. won't let us go check it out because we, we're men. We can't be anything wrong with us. So um, I finally went to a urologist. Uh, he juggled him a little bit and said, yeah, we're going to get you an ultrasound. They do an ultrasound and uh, I'm sitting in the, uh, in the office waiting for him. And he comes in and said, yeah, you know, you've got, uh, you've got testicular cancer. And I guess I kind of was ready for it because I was not, I'm not stupid. I know that if there's something down there, you know, you Google it and you, you know, okay. And never Google your symptoms, by the way, people should know that already. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it changed things immediately. It, uh, it's a game changer. You know, you're like, you start thinking more about your own mortality and you start thinking about what kind of legacy you want to leave and what you want to do before you die and, and all that. And, and, um, the rest of it's kind of a blur. Uh, they, they do what's called a radical orchiectomy, um, where they take your left, in my case, my left testicle, um, pretty easy operation, bag of frozen peas afterward and you're good. Uh, they put in a prosthetic, uh, for symmetry, you know, I like, uh, they could have just left it, but I, you know, I kind of like to have two down there. Lefty doesn't feel quite right, but all right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so they then prescribe aggressive chemotherapy and above and beyond the cancer, above and beyond anything else, the worst part of this entire ordeal, uh, was the God awful, uh, platinum based chemotherapy. It's just, it robs you of everything, man. It, it, it destroys every cell in your body. It depletes you of your red blood cells, your white blood cells, your platelets, everything. I had to go four separate times to get platelets infused because they had dropped to an, a, a critical level. Could have cut myself and bled to death. Um, had to go to the emergency room for it once. So it was a, it was an ordeal. I'd, uh, you know, they, the oncologists call it suboptimal results, which means that I did not respond well to chemo. My body, my soul, my brain, everything I was nauseous and vomiting for months afterwards. If anything, even I had to change the type of water bottle that I drank out of because the one that I used for chemo would I remind see. me of I chemo see. and my brain would go, Oh my God, we're going through chemo again. Oh. Throw up everything. Oh. And so, um, that part was the worst. I did, uh, I did four separate weeks of it. One week on two weeks off one week on two weeks off the holidays kind of got it all screwed up. So I ended up finishing on January 3rd and, uh, then they did a scan shortly afterwards um, didn't like what they saw there. I have a couple of lymph nodes that didn't, uh, decrease in size like they would have liked. So on this coming, the 22nd of this month, um, I have a biopsy scheduled for a, a lymph node near my clavicle. I got two of them that are kind of uh, concerning in the back of my stomach. You don't want to look up how they, uh, how they get rid of those. It's a operation like a lymph node dissection is no fun for anybody, especially in the stomach area. They take your guts out and then they put them back. Hopefully. Um, but right now, you know, I'm kind of in that limbo phase. Um, the doctors aren't really sure what, uh, what I have even, um, they referred me up to Indiana university. They're the leaders when it comes to testicular cancer. Didn't know that, um, the, the doctor that I've been dealing with is the one who cured Lance Armstrong. He also developed that platinum based chemotherapy. Oh, so they're good, the experts. Good, yeah. Good. And so I did one telehealth appointment with them, um, where he spelled out everything and what he thought. I've got another telehealth with, uh, with them next week after the biopsy. We'll figure out next steps then. Sure. Um, sure. I, you know, I'd rather not go through chemotherapy again. Right. I don't know that that's going to be an option. Um, and if it is going to happen again, it'll probably be a high intensity one where I'll be hospitalized for three weeks. And, but at least I won't have to worry about driving myself to, you know, I'll just be the, 
right. the, the, the patient and let right. them do what they will. Right. Um, but I tend to not think about, or I try not to think about that stuff too sure, much, man. Sure, I got sure, sure. to do. Definitely. You know? Definitely. Definitely. Oh my God. You were trying to do uh, the show while you were going through chemo and that I can't imagine like how that weakened you and uh, boy, oh boy, yeah. that, that's hard. That's it, hard. It was difficult. Um, very difficult. And I was very fortunate again to have John because he, he's so skilled at switching from, from co-host to host. Uh, and, and the dynamic, there's no power struggle. It's just you, 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 you got the show now and I'm on my couch and Cox was great about, about giving me the equipment and they're, they've been so supportive through the whole thing. Nice. It's, uh, they, nice. They've really shown that, what I mean to them, which, which is so infinitely, uh, gratifying for me and, and, it, and it makes me feel so good about where I am right now. Um, but yeah, I would try after treatment, if I could put a thought together, if I could speak, I'd try to do the show with John just to show everybody listening. A, if you're listening with cancer, it doesn't have to rule your life. It doesn't have to stop everything that you like to do. And B, for those people who don't have cancer in their life, which I hope is everybody, uh, they get to hear what it sounds like when you do, you know, what that, that people actually go through this stuff and it might not be easy to hear. It might not be fun to hear. Um, but maybe it makes them a little bit more understanding of, uh, of the struggle that people with cancer go through, you know? Now, how does your family members, how are that your son and, and any family members or those close to you, what's, what's, what's that like? Uh, do they try to make it like it's, you know, life is normal and, or oh, you don't want the woe is me, but yet to, so what, what, what uh, yeah, it's an interesting area to navigate. And one of the things I've learned about this is that people are going to react to it on their own terms. And that's, that's fine. Like everyone has the right to have their own feelings about it and their own reaction. I don't have expectations for other people. I like, so I have friends who check in with me every week. I have friends who check in with me once every couple of months and I don't begrudge them for not like being up my butt every day and going, right. oh, how are you? Because they're going to do it on their own terms. doesn't mean they don't care. It just means, you know, so my son, I've been pretty frank with him about the whole thing. I've been pretty honest with him and he's, he's handling how it very old? well. How old? Gosh, he's 18 and a half now, which makes it a lot easier. You know, you're trying to communicate this to a five, six year old. Can't imagine. Uh, that would be awful. So he's, he's able to process it and he's been super cool about it. You know, um, I don't see him as much as I used to cause he goes to USF now and he's got his own life, but he texts all the time and, <laughs> and tells me good night. Um, his mom, who is staying with us uh, when when he's around um, has been super helpful around the house, like just making sure on those days when I can barely shuffle to the bathroom that you know there's there's food and water. So she's you know it's it's really Beautiful. strengthened our friendship a lot. Uh, my girlfriend's been super helpful as well. She's she lives in Lakeland, but she's gone above and beyond to make sure I have everything I need to feel taken care of. Um, my mom and dad, it's hard for them, mm. um, and as a parent, I can imagine hearing that kind of news about your son is devastating and, and, and earth shattering. And they've, they've, they've kind of dealt with it in their own way. My, my dad doesn't really want to talk about it too much. My, it, it hurts him to do so. And I get that, you know, it's a, it, again, he'll deal with it in his own way. And, and we don't talk about it hardly at all. My mom, she'll text every day or so just to check in. She's a mom. And, uh, yeah, exactly. She's a, she's a Jewish mom. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of friends uh, willing to see that I'm taken care of and, and interested in my uh, in my journey. Wow. Yeah, man. It's heavy uh, wow, stuff. Wow, wow, Sorry. wow, wow, wow. Sorry no, if you're no, listening no, no. Right, Don't get so bummed out about this. No, I'm smiling, no, I promise. No, no, 
talk, real talk. Uh, any other goal? I guess this is this is your number one goal to be try to be strong. You know, you're fight, you're going to fight this, and you're winning. But in the business, uh, is there anything? Do you have any kind of a bucket list? Something that you really would like to do? Do you just want to bring the best show every day and continued success on the bone? Yeah, I'd be very happy uh, to be at the bone for another. 10, 20 years. I'll be happy to be alive for another 10 to 20 years. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, they've been really good to me. I, um, I don't, I'm at a point in my career where I don't need to be the guy. I don't need, I don't need my ass kissed every day. If you tell me the ratings are good, or the ratings are great. Awesome. If you tell me they're not awesome, we're going to keep doing the show that we do. And if you need us to tweak something, tell me and, and, and I'll do it. I, I, I'm responding to, I respond to feedback pretty well from our strategic team, but man, I've accomplished honestly everything in this business well beyond what I ever thought that I would. I've I've gotten to meet and interview people that I grew up idolizing. I've gotten to work with incredible people. Uh, even when situations have gone bad, I've learned about people and dynamics and myself and and accountability and and whatnot. So, man, I'll tell you, I. I just want to go in every day and have fun and, and put on the best dang radio show that we can put on and, and inspire the world. I don't, I think we have the type of show where it can turn on the, on the drop of a dime. But for the most part, all we want is for people to have a good time listening to our show in this divisive, disgusting world where people want to be pitted against each other, where we've allowed our differences to not only divide us, but define us. Uh, we would rather not play that game, John and I. We would rather find ways to talk about topics that encourage dialogue among us. There are so many people who choose to consume entertainment that only bolsters the way they already feel about things. The people who watch CNN all day so only do so because it's an echo chamber. They, they want to be scared. They want to read about the vaccine and to feel like they're awesome people because they're triple vaccinated and they look down on those who are not. And then on the other side, those who consume Fox news all day, they want to believe that these pussies over here, they, they, you wear a mask for, you should die if you wear a mask and, and they, and they consume that all day. And that's the only thing they consume. And so that becomes part of their identity. And then we're, we're as divided as the, as the elite powers that be want us to be because it keeps our, it, it keeps us from uniting as a people and actually demanding progress in this country. We're so easy easily distracted by a Russia uh, and not, not that that's not a severe situation, but they dangle these things in front of us because they're distractions. We want to distract you. Sure. We want to have some fun, but let's have some meaningful dialogues. Let's, let's say that it's okay to question this without coming off. Like you hate the people on the other side of it. You know, the, the, the ability to converse with each other, especially when we disagree about things is dwindling and dwindling. And, and our goal every day is to encourage those conversations and to find the right way to talk about those issues uh, without alienating, uh, you know, 50% of our audience for, for drawing a line in the sand. Nothing against the people who do that. You can make a killing being a Sean Hannity in this industry or a liberal talk show. You, you, and, and, and God bless them for doing so. They found their voice and they found their niche. Go, Tucker Carlson, do your thing, you know. Um, I'd rather uh, be one one thousandth as successful and and rich as those guys, maybe even one ten thousandth, and uh, 
and have meaningful dialogue and, and be able to connect with people and show them that there are far more things in this world that unite us than divide us. Well said. Very interesting. Very interesting. This is how I end all of my rock stops here. And I'm sure I know you get it a lot being successful in this business. What advice do you give someone that is coming into this business? What, what, what's the best advice you can give Drew Garabo? I would say find your unique voice. Always stay open to feedback. Do everything that you can do to put yourself in the right positions. There are a lot, the millennials uh, and Gen Z, they get hammered because of a sense of entitlement. But I, I think that's always been there. I think it was there with us in Generation X, and I think it was there with the baby boomers, et cetera. It's just amplified now, a little bit more now. Um, if you're not willing to absolutely bust your ass and take any shift that they ask you to take and do any job mm-hmm. that they ask you to do, and maybe you're a promo guy today, and maybe you'll be a promo guy for four years, and you'll be getting part-time wages in hopes that that opening is going to come. If you're not willing to do that, don't even waste anybody's time. If you go into this business thinking I'm going to be a superstar and I'm not going to accept anything else, you're going to flame out within a couple of weeks because you'll be grossly unsatisfied and 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 the the bosses will not care for you one bit. Be willing to do whatever it takes along the way to put yourself in the right position. Learn everything you can, both what to do and what not to do, because fortunately you and I know in radio, we learn so much about who we want to be but we learn just as much by looking at some of the people in this industry uh, about who we do not want to be. And I've been very fortunate to have a lot of positive role models. And I've been very fortunate to have quite a few people that I can look at and go, I never want to be that guy. I would say best of luck, but just, just <laughs> yeah, I've already had it, man. Continued success <laughs> in life. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. This is fun. You, you, you know, it's funny. Sometimes you, you go through something like Drew is going through and it and it takes that to give you a different perspective on life. Like when Drew, I don't know if he said it on here or before I started recording, but how you doing? I'm I wake up, I'm up, I'm waking up, I got another day. Try and as I'm getting older, man, try. I'm trying really honestly to just not waste any time. Just enjoy. Just try to enjoy. Every day, and life is so precious. Now, I want to tell a positive story after. Drew, thank you so much, man. That was awesome. It, it was just really just a, you know, I don't know what it was. It when, when he came to my house and we sat down outside, it was as if I felt just like I've known him for a long time. Very comfortable, just really into the conversation and just very, very enjoyable. And he went on his way and I was just like, Wow, man, that was really, really, really good. And uh, he's just going to live his life just the best that he can, man, every day. Now, I got a positive. And Drew, I, don't, I didn't have a chance to tell you this. If You know, Holly Kane, I always really, really, really liked. She was attractive, is attractive, nice. Just one of those uh, people that's beautiful on the inside and out. Just there's something about her aura. She is a racing reporter, NASCAR, IndyCar. Uh, she started, she's, I think she's from Lakeland, Florida. I know she worked at the Tampa Tribune. 
a newspaper that is now defunct. And uh, that's how I got to know her, just covering events and seeing her. I was like, wow, I really, there's something about her. I just really, really, really like. It, it's more than just being an attractive female. You know, this is when I was single. It's more than that. It's like something inside. You know, you just have that like, wow, I really like her connection. So I followed her on Facebook as we all, you know, do sometimes with acquaintances. And, and then from years ago, and then I saw that she had a battle with cancer. Oh, man. And I know she had two, you know, kids that are young at the time and boom. And I know she was trying to raise their, her kids and then and then dealing with, you know, battling cancer, man, and then still doing her job, trying to do her job. And, you know, and then I know that there would be another setback here and there and just, oh, my God, the outpouring, my heart, you know, a Facebook post isn't going to do it, you know. But I mean, like I said, we're not that close. I ran into her for the first time seeing her in person at least 10 years, probably more. And it was at the Firestone Grand Prix. I saw her from a distance. I was about to interview one of the drivers. I was blown away. Like she looked and looks fantastic. Fantastic. So Drew, if you're listening, fantastic. So I said, oh, and she waved to me and like she was going to come over and stand up. And I said, put my finger, hold on. I'll come to you. I, I'll, I'll do this. I'll come out to you. So I did the interview. I interviewed another driver, another driver, blah, 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 blah. Then, then I went out to where they were having the luncheon and I saw her and she was, she was actually sitting at the table next to Graham Rahal, who was one of the top drivers in IndyCar. And it's, you know, even though she's media, they have so much respect for her, you know? And... I tapped her, she turned, gave her a long hug, and just so just so proud of her. How are you doing? And she's like, good, good, okay. And I, I said, no, good. I said, you look fantastic. She goes, you look good too. I said, yeah, I haven't gone through what you've gone through. How are you doing? She goes, okay. I stop at my port, uh, portal, you know, port, and I go in every, I think she said three months, and I'm doing okay. And then blah, blah, blah. How are your kids? Oh, my, my, my. I said, you have a uh, a son, right? Or was it a daughter? Oh, at USF. No, I have a son and a daughter at USF. I said, oh, my God. She goes, I wish they'd come and visit their mama a little more. And blah, 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 and it's great to see you, and blah, blah, blah. You're going to be here this weekend, and I'll be back on Sunday, and da, da, da. And it's just great to see you. And just, I gave her a long hug, like, Wow, and she looks and is doing fantastic. How about that? There you go, Drew. So, you know, Drew's living his life no matter what comes up. And, uh, man, I we all got to just try to do that, do that. And you know what? I'm not trying to be like Mr. Positive here on this episode, but you know what? I think it's good turning out to be like that. <clears throat> There's so much, like, you know, negativity out there. In the world, I, tr I do not get caught up. Now I, now I go through my social media. I have to be on it to post this stuff. It's like a, inf you know, a free commercial. If I don't do it, who's going to do it <clears throat> to get the word out? But I just scroll past. I don't want to see, I really don't want to see like real, real negative stuff, man. Fighting, fights, the war. It's just, oh. So get this. <clears throat> now this has happened two times to me in the last two months. I am at a McDonald's drive-thru getting myself a vanilla, uh, iced coffee, okay? I think I'm, I'm addicted to that. I love iced coffees. And we're, we're, it's warm down here. And 
it was one of those things, you know, where you go and it splits. You can go to the right or to the left at a McDonald's and you try to hope you pick the one that you're not waiting and you always get behind somebody that's got a humongous order and then's got questions. Doesn't that always happen? <laughs> so anyway, so I'm, I'm heading down. I'm in this lane and then it's, is it my turn? It looks like it's my turn. No, I think it's his turn. It's his turn. And I motioned to this guy. And he looked like a guy probably like 30 years old. You know, just regular dude. And I motioned no. And he motioned no to you. I said, no, no, you got it. You got it. Go ahead. That was it. So he's in front of me in line. And then I go to pick up. It's time to go to get my iced coffee. And she said, oh, the gentleman in front of you just picked up, uh, picked up your order. And I'm like, that dude, I don't even know that dude. What, just because I was nice? And he was getting his food. I'm in the first window to pay. No cost. I stick my hand out the window, and he just sticks out his hand, man, like, see you, bro, and I'm gone. And I'm like, wow, man, there are nice people in this world. And, and, I would say six, seven weeks ago, I'm in line for a Starbucks coffee in the drive-thru. Yeah, I know, Starbucks snub. Go ahead, bring it. I don't care. Not every day, but, you know, I make it half and half. Make it half the time. Half the time, get Starbucks. Anyway, I'm in line. I pull up. I just, and I'm basic. Grande Pike. Just a grande regular coffee. That's it. Milk. Boom. Not bad milk. I pull up, and the Starbucks person says, the woman in front of you just picked up your, your coffee. And then she was, and she was gone. A woman. What woman does that for a guy? I don't know her. I didn't see her. What did the, the mirror? I, I, I obviously didn't know her. Oh my God. I'm like, I was blown away. I'm like, wow, my lucky day. People are buying my order. Like, when does this happen? I'm just, there is good. There is good out there. Don't get caught up by the media. Negativity, fighting, infighting, it sells. Reality shows. These real housewives. My wife watches these shows. I started in the beginning a little bit, Jersey, because I'm from New Jersey, and I cannot watch an episode at all. It's all manufactured fighting. If you don't have the fighting, you're not going to get the ratings. Do not. Or news, 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 news. Why is it always new? It's always bad. Why does that affect me? This guy robbed this. This guy did this. This person did this. Uh, so don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. Swipe. Go past it. Go past it. There's good. There's good. There's good. There's good. All right. One other thing. I'll keep this one short because Drew and I went a little bit long, which I loved. <clears throat> the USFL is about to start up. The United. The, remember the USFL? Remember the old USFL? I was a young reporter in New Jersey, and I covered the New Jersey Generals. Doug Flutie was your quarterback. Herschel Walker was your running back. Donald Trump was your owner. Uh, they had some big names, big name quarterbacks, stars, because they had uh, ego maniacs at the top that tried to compete with the NFL. And it was fairly successful as a spring league. It was. It only lasted, I think, two years. I love going to the games. They had stars. There was Steve Young. There was uh, there was some big names, man. They paid for big names to try to compete with the NFL. But that's what happens. You can't compete with the NFL. Don't try to play in the big boy game. 
and it folded. <clears throat> and so here we go again. Now, look, I just it popped up on my my Facebook, you know, two years ago, the Tampa Bay Vipers. There was the U, the XFL with Vince McMahon. He spent and I covered it. I was hoping so bad because I was doing local radio, a talk show, and I needed content and football. I can't, I'm not going to call it talk, just baseball. And I needed something in the spring and summer. And I was I was I was hoping it bad. They tried this AAF, the Alliance of American Football, but you didn't know where it was. Is it on TNT? It started out on CBS and then it went to where and where and it couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And I do sports. The average Joe, if he can't have, I can't find it. How's he going to find it? I couldn't find it. So the XFL, Vince McMahon partnered with Fox, ESPN. That was smart. But from my understanding, he wasn't making any money on those deals. The networks need content. They need content in the spring and the summer. And it was kind of like a barter system. So Vince wasn't making any money and he was just spending so much money. I would go to these, I went to a practice and uh, what was the defensive coordinator? He had the big uh, like 10 gallon hat. Oh, he's a character. He used to be an NFL coach at the Atlanta Falcons. And he, he told me, he's like, I can't believe how much Vince McMahon is spending. You're housing all of these players. You're feeding them the equipment, just everything. The tra- I like, wow, this is a big, uh, big expense. And then the pandemic hit. But I wasn't so sure if that was going to make it anyway. You didn't know who the quarterbacks were. Now, so now the USFL is starting again. The thing that, you know, The Rock is behind it. Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? Boy, he is on the juice. The size of him on that Super Bowl. Oh, my God. <laughs> a lot of people didn't like that. It was a Super Bowl. He didn't need it. But anyway, I like The Rock. I do like The Rock. I'm a Rock fan. He's a good guy. From everybody that knows him that I know says that he's a, he's a good guy. He's as big of a star as he is. But anyway, anyway, the Tampa Bay Bandits, the New Jersey Generals, you know, they're all, they, they're making a comeback. And look, is it is it going to be even close to like the interest for NFL, college football? No, it won't even be close. It won't even be close. But you know what? If it provides an entertainment factor on a lazy weekend, Saturday in the spring, early summer, and you're just like, eh, let me just check out a little football. What's wrong with that? It's just another option that you have on your phone, on your device, or on your television. The thing that I do like about it is this is a Fox sports deal. So it's going to be on Fox uh, and the NFL is partnering with the USFL. They're going to try out new rules and things like that. You got to have that partnership with the NFL. That's a good thing. Would it be maybe, would it get into being a little bit of like a farm system? I think that would be great. Brady the other day was saying that this the this old antiquated NFL, you know, it there is no farm system, man. And it's not only for players, it's for coaches, it's for, for officials, it's for referees, like baseball. And you know, you 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 can't just come out of college. College is different, man, than the pros. Look, Urban Meyer found that out. Steve Spurrier found that out. Um, um, Nick Saban found that out. It's different. Different. And Brady thinks in this day and age, there's a way to coach these 
ego, big egos, uh, superstars. You know, you can't use the college system. You need some type of uh, feeding training system. So maybe there is a chance for the USFL. But here's the thing. They had their draft. I don't know. There's one or two quarterbacks that I know the name of that was a backup. And who are they? You know, that meme came up that Conor McGregor, you ever see it on your social media? Like, who the fuck is that? (laughs) Like, you know, who the fuck is he? (laughs) And this is the first round. If you don't know, it shows you how hard it is to get, like, named quarterbacks, man. Oh, my God. So, look, I'm not 100% saying this is definitely going to work. Is it the NFL partnering, Fox uh, Sports running this thing? It's got a chance. It's got a chance to just be another outlet. Or if you live in a town where you got a USFL team and you want to go on a on a weekend, something else to do besides baseball, if you got baseball, there you go. And in some of these markets, they don't have anything else. So anyway, best of luck to the USFL, and thank you to Drew Garabo. Drew Garabo. I hope we can work somehow in the past just listening to how he came up and did everything, the editing, the producing, uh, until when he was, so he was ready when he got his own show. You know, we all want that success handed to us. It don't, it does not work like that. Why do you think I'm banging these out, hustling, trying to stay in the game because that way, if, if an opportunity comes away, uh, my way, I'm ready. You know, I have done, let's see, I don't know. I'm on episode, I think I'm pushing 50 now, close to it, maybe 50 episodes of this, 4850. I have done another 17 weeks of that. So I have done like 72, 74 of these guests in person. I have not done one Zoom uh, rock stops here or Bucks Kickoff podcast with a guest. Everybody I have met in person, in person. Nobody's on the phone. No, I'm, I'm hustling because you got to be ready, man. That's the only way. And if that doesn't, I enjoy this. So, and I enjoy, thank you so much for hanging with me, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, I got a couple of trips. I'm, I'm off now, heading to, I'm going to be at the NFL Combine. I hope everything goes okay. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, Drew. Continued success. On and off the mic, my man. I'll talk to you next week. This is a Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Today, I am excited to discuss all things barbecue with my guest, Trish from Sassy Q Barbecue. How are you doing today, Trish? So how did it just happen for you when you just decided that you wanted to kind of go and create your own products? I always like to ask that question because I like to see how these culinary minds work. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, first I started sharing my, my sauce with friends mm-hmm. and it kind of blossomed from there. Um, there are, uh, well, let me back up. I don't know if you've ever heard of Myron Nixon. He is a major barbecue icon and yes. somebody who I've been able to judge in contest in the past. We went to one of his cooking schools, my husband and I. And I took my sauces with me. I wanted his opinion because if anybody's going to be brutally honest, it will be Myron Nixon. Right. And he, he's the person who said, you need to sell these. 
So it kind of started from there. Um, I think the farmer's markets came after that. And we just wanted to see what direction it would take and if it would work. And it kind of caught on. So um, Whole Foods was building, and they came and visited us at the farmer's market and put us in the store. Public came next with the uh, Florida Locals program, and we were off. Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.